we came to a point in our family's health journey where we started to question if the annual wellness visits that we were having with our doctors were really producing increased wellness in our lives. Today on the podcast, I ask functional medicine doctor Forrest Sauer what his approach to yearly wellness visits would be. What labs should I be asking for? What should I be looking for in a doctor? How do I really advocate for myself? I know this sounds like a crazy idea, but if you'd like your yearly checkups to actually help you get healthier, then listen in. Welcome to the Daily Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Meredith. I've led my family on a transformative health journey for over a decade, and now I help other families do the same. So this is a place where you can learn about healthy living and take the next step in your wellness journey. Hi, Dr. Sauer. Thanks for being on the Daily Wellness Podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to get to know you a little bit more. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about you and why you do what you do? Well, my name is uh, Dr. Forrest Sauer. I like long walks on the beach and uh, candlelight dinners. <laughs> but uh, I, on a serious note, I, I got into health and wellness from a pretty early stage. I, you know, I was getting my doctorate in chiropractic. And I quickly realized that adjusting the the human body is is fun and it gets people out of pain. But I also had this true passion for ultimate health and wellness. And that led me to functional medicine, which is basically the science of fixing the root underlying cause of the problem instead of masking things with surgeries or medications. And so that led me down the uh, the rabbit hole of functional medicine. And I've been going down this road for about 10 years now. And, uh, and, you know, as so many, as so many health and wellness journeys start out of challenges, that's exactly where mine started. Mm. I started on my health and wellness journey because I was struggling with inflammation. I was lacking energy. I was in my early twenties at that time. And, you know, I would hit the snooze button five times every single morning, wanting to get more, uh, energy and get up, but just my get up and go had got up and left. Uh, I was at the time not realizing it, but really struggling with depression and anxiety because it just felt like that was my normal. And I was I was in this vicious cycle of having good days and bad days, being off and then on. And I just knew this was before me and my wife had kids, but I just knew that I didn't want to show up as this version of a dad. Yeah. Or continue being this way as a husband. And so that really led me down this path of trying to figure out what's going on with me and and trying to optimize my health. And yeah. ever since then, because of lifestyle without medication, I've been able to overcome the depression, the anxiety, the lack of motivation, the hormonal imbalances, the sleep. And I just turned that into a passion and now love teaching other people and having my team guide people down the same path that or a very similar path that I had to go down without all the challenges, roadblocks, and hitting the cement walls that I had to figure out and go through. Hey, Daily Wellness listeners. We've got two awesome giveaways for the beginning of this season, a free consultation and an Amazon gift card. All you have to do to be entered to win is to join our email list. The winners will be randomly selected from that list, so make sure you head to the show notes and get entered. Now back to the episode. 
So you knew pretty early on that you wanted to at least go down that chiropractic road. Yes, yes. Well, is it started off very, very rudimentary. I'm a pretty simple guy when it comes down to things, and I knew that I wanted to own my own business and help people. Yeah. And ultimately, I knew it was going to be in the healthcare realm, and I. So I was debating whether to go down the medical doctor route or the chiropractic route. And I seen the path that most medical doctors are forced to go down. Mm-hmm. And that is going to the hospital, have the handcuffs on, only see people for seven and a half minutes and give medications. And that's just not something that I wanted to sign up for. Yeah. So you didn't necessarily grow up like in your family as a child with a kind of a more natural health and wellness perspective. You just realized that wasn't the life that you wanted as for your career in Correct. a different way. Yeah. Okay. And as you went down that journey to try and heal yourself, what did you find were some of the root causes for those struggles you were having? A lot of it was lifestyle. Uh, you know, it was it was what I was putting in my body that I initially thought was actually healthy, mm-hmm. but it was throwing off the chemistry in my body and thus affecting how I feel, affecting how I think, affecting how I act throughout the day. And, you know, there's everybody wants to know, like, what is the one diet that everybody should adopt? That is obviously false. And so I figured out what my triggers were. A big one was was gluten. Big one was uh, dairy, sugar as well. And so it was finding out what was feeding my body, what was helping me, but also what was hurting my body, what was hurting me and my emotions, my quality of life. Yeah. It's interesting that you said... Um, that you listed those specific things like the fatigue and, um, you know, not wanting to get out of bed in the mornings and the depression and anxiety that you just kind of thought was who you are, you know, and this is, oh, this is just life. Um, Because I think a a lot of people listening are struggling with those same things. And there's, you know, there's memes, you see memes and reels every day about making fun of that idea, the common experience we have of having a struggle to get out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. you know, or being tired in the afternoon, um, you know, driving through to get coffee because we're exhausted and can't make it through the day. So I think that those are really relatable. Um, and it's it's inspiring when I hear people say, these were my problems and now they're not because <laughs> a lot of people have just accepted those as their life. And, you know, is the same with me and, and the clients that we serve, and I'm sure to many of your listeners, if you've been struggling with something, whether it be inflammation, whether it be the fact that you know you have irritable bowel syndrome and you have constipation, diarrhea, that kind of thing, if it happens for long enough, it's going to feel like you're normal. Yep. Well, it doesn't mean that it is normal. It right. doesn't mean that it's okay for you to continue suffering and struggling with that, that problem. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Um, you do a great job on your social media. I'm just really providing a lot of value for people and helping us to think more deeply about caring for ourselves. Um, one thing that you talked about fairly recently was just the idea of yearly checkups <laughs> yeah. for people. Um, and I know you have young kiddos and any parent listening with young kiddos gets the idea of checkups because we are asked, you know, in modern medicine to go to regular quote unquote well visits with our children. And so that I, we have that idea for our kids. And um, honestly, I kind of gave up on those because the well visits for my children with our, 
with the pediatrician that we used to have, we're not really producing any wellness in my children. <laughs> yep. And so we re we reevaluated that, but we kind of lose sight of that as we become adults. I think for one reason, like when we're young, we're like cheap and broke and you know trying to find our way in life and we're like I don't feel too terrible and I don't want to spend the money on a doctor so you know I don't need to go to a yearly checkup or whatever so I get that but as we get older um, I think we probably some of us start to revisit that idea of oh yeah maybe I should or once you get a job with insurance maybe you start thinking about oh it's coverage a yearly checkup you know should I do that or not so what are your thoughts on kind of the idea of yearly checkups for adults. So whether it be yearly checkups or as they're more commonly being called now is like wellness visits. Uh-huh. Uh, my thoughts on wellness visits are the fact that, well, what education are you getting in that visit to pursue wellness? Now, I've asked that question to hundreds of people and every single time people says, well, I'm not getting any education on wellness. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. True. It's it's not even a wellness visit. It's actually an early detection visit. And I believe it's a little more insidious because wh what do they do? They maybe run some basic labs if you're lucky. They tap your knee. They take your blood pressure. And if any of those markers are off, do they tell you how to reverse those symptoms? Do they tell you how to maybe change your diet, your lifestyle, so that way you're no longer struggling? Or do they throw a medication at you? Right. And if we're actually looking at who is profiting? Follow the money, honey. Yeah. Who is profiting from those early detection visits? I actually think that it's set up in such a way to get Americans on medications earlier rather than later. So that's, that's I think, the whole driver behind these wellness visits. And if you're actually looking to figure out, okay, I'm 35 or I'm 45 and my kids are, you know, in their teens, mid-teens, and, you know, I'm looking ahead and I want to, for when my kids start having kids, I want to be that awesome grandpa and grandma. And I want to start checking off the things in my bucket list instead of being like mom and dad, or maybe some of the people that you see in church that are not getting around so well. If you want to avoid that, the time is now to start setting up that proper lifestyle so that you can maintain that independence in your health. Yeah. Perfect timing to actually have a true wellness visit where you are getting some education about increasing longevity and quality of life. Exactly. It's all about longevity. It's all about how do we age gracefully? How do we age underneath our own terms so that way we can tell our bodies what to do instead of our bodies telling us what we are allowed to do, or what we can do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I've heard that in finances, you know, like you tell your money where to go instead of <laughs> it just disappearing. So you can apply that same principle to your health. That's really smart. Yeah. And that's all oh. about being proactive is when people look at health, it's not just like health and wellness isn't just something that happens in a doctor's visit. It's what happens outside of the doctor's visit. It is a lifestyle. It, and we just have been not educated or poorly educated on what an actual healthy lifestyle. So that way we can live the life that we want actually looks like. Yeah. So true. So what does a yearly checkup, a wellness visit look like with you as a functional medicine doctor compared to something that someone may be used to with their conventional doctor? When taking labs, you know, we, we do a lot of labs in our office because it, yes, we do symptoms to make certain that we know how the client is, is feeling. We customize all of the care in our clinic. We don't have a one size fits all approach. 
So it is, what does the client want to achieve? If it's just simply maintenance, then we still do very comprehensive blood work and urine analysis to make certain that we are being preventative. If things are off a little bit, like let's go ahead and say that we're starting to see cholesterol markers go up that are, are out of range or the vitamin D is low, or maybe our inflammatory markers are a little elevated or a little bit pre-diabetic, we do look at the whole person and then we start teaching them how they can start using their lifestyle to reverse those negative blood markers. So that, you know, we're, we're always looking ahead 10 years, 15 years. How do we get success 10 years from now? And that does start with blood work and, 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 you know, a patient intake. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's our approach. And a little thing about insurance and lab analysis is yeah. that insurance, it's only going to pay for labs that they're going to prescribe drugs for. Yep. <laughs> let's, let's just take a moment and understand that. So like, so sometimes I'll hear, quite often I'll hear is that the doc, my labs are coming back normal. Well, that's because a very limited amount of labs are actually being tested for. You're getting compared to 90% of Americans with those lab markers and who has their labs taken? Healthy people or sick people? Sick people, obviously. So you're getting compared to 90% of the sick people in America. And this is why so many people do experience the fact their labs look fine, yet they don't feel fine. They don't feel okay. So it's about being preventative and actually using something called functional blood chemistry uh, analysis when you're looking at someone's blood work. So that way it can be preventative. We can actually see things early on. I just did one yesterday where I was going through results with the client and she's borderline pre-diabetic. She's got inflammation. She's got you know challenges with her gut. And so all these markers that she found out for the first time yesterday, even though her, you know, she had those blood work, that blood work taken and her doctor said everything was fine. Right. Yeah. I think that's enlightening because some people just think blood work is blood work. You know, it's like I went to my doctor and I had blood work, you know, <laughs> like it's a all everybody does the same. <laughs> and that's definitely not true. Yeah, it's not true. And unfortunately, it's very limited amount of information that is actually given on there because and you can think about it from just a cost perspective. Insurance is not going to pay for more labs than they're going to be able to prescribe medication for because it's just going to increase costs. And it's just makes no sense financially for them to make a comprehensive blood work panel that's really looking at you. Yeah, true. So can you give us some more insight onto what kind of blood work you specifically do or you we would recommend? Yeah, we take a lot. <laughs> we do. We go through <laughs> everything, basically. It's, it's I call it nose to toes. So we want to, because let's go and say someone has a thyroid problem. They're, they're exhausted. They're gaining weight. They're losing hair. They're lost their sex drive. They've got brain fog, all the thyroid symptoms. Well, most of the time what's actually taken is a TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, or if we're lucky, it's a T3, T4 hormone. Well, that's three possible, most likely only one blood marker that's taken. Well, there's nine that you should actually take with your thyroid to actually see how your thyroid's actually functioning. Mm -hmm. But your thyroid doesn't work on an island. Your thyroid impacts the rest of your body as well. So if we're actually, if someone has thyroid symptoms, you need to not just look at the thyroid, you need to look at the whole body. It's where holistic medicine comes from to actually see how the body is functioning. Because I can't tell you how many times I've had clients come in and they're on levothyroxine or Synthroid 
and they swear that they have a thyroid problem, we take the markers. And sure, some of those lab markers are off, but it's a problem with their gut or it's a problem with their liver because the liver and the gut also have impact on how your thyroid functions. Mm -hmm. So that other blood work is kind of giving you insight as to why they're having those thyroid problems. Exactly. It's all getting back to the root cause of the problem. That's what you need to look for instead of always chasing these symptoms. And if you feel like you're on the merry-go-round, always trying to figure out what in the heck is going on and never actually getting somewhere, two steps forward, three steps back type of situation, we need to take the proper blood work so that way we can eliminate those guessing games and then specifically know we know what kind of lifestyle changes and vitamins and supplements that people need to take in order to get better and fix that actual problem. Yeah. So if someone comes to you and says, Dr. Sauer, you know, I am feeling pretty good. I just think it might be a good idea to check in with you, you know, see if there's any problems that I'm not noticing, like what kind of evaluation and blood work would you recommend for that person that's not necessarily, you know, having any major health symptoms that they're aware of at that moment? If they're just looking for a straight preventative and they're doing great, I'll just, I mean, I give recommendations based on, off, you know, like what are their goals? So are their goals optimization and longevity? Great. Let's just go and do, let's say, you know, a comprehensive blood battle. Let's just figure things out. It's really not that much. You know, when I was, um, when I was first opening up in practice, I went around to all the hospitals and clinics in my, in my hometown. And I said, okay, I want to take this blood work. What, what does that, what does that look like? And it was not doable, but actually when you start going outside of insurance and actually trying to be preventative and take responsibility for health, it's really not that much when we're looking at, at an individual, what does it look like for, for their overall health? What does the so, comprehensive test tell you? What does the comprehensive test tell us? Yeah. What can you tell from that? Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> well, because it is nose to toes, I mean, it really does allow us to figure out what's going on with that particular person. Let me uh, let me look at my schedule and just like give you a, a good example. Okay. So perfect example. Yesterday, I was going through labs with a particular client and it was very clear that she had some inflammation. She had brain fog. Uh, her sex drive had long since gone and she was in that peri postmenopausal range. Okay. So a little bit older of a client than your typical listener, but she was in that stage of life. And so inflammation can be caused by a million things. Right. And you know, exhaustion or hormonal imbalances can be uh, you know, caused by another million things. So for her specifically, it was low stomach acid. Mm. It was uh, leaky gut or in IBS. It was the fact that she was low in vitamin D and uh, she was pre-diabetic. So for, for that particular person, it's like, okay, these are the things that we need to address in that particular situation. Last week, I was doing another lab consultation on someone and, you know, she has, uh, she has an autoimmune condition where it's Hashimoto's. It's the immune system yeah. attacking the thyroid. So she was experiencing inflammation. Her hormones were off and she felt like she was losing her hair and she couldn't get enough sleep. She was sleeping 10 hours a night and she still felt exhausted when she woke up and it was because she had that particular problem. Yeah. So uh, we've talked quite a bit about gut health in this podcast because <laughs> for good reasons. Mm -hmm. um, what can you look at when you get the blood work to know for certain that this person is having issues with their gut? What markers do you see 
on that test that says, okay, we definitely need to address some gut health? Great question. These are this is something that we use in our clinic that, you know, I, I learned in functional medicine training that really isn't well known outside of this world. So I think everybody should know this. But your protein levels, your total protein along with albumin and globulin, these are, are protein levels that are in the blood. So it's a serum test. And it's actually we use it as an indication of where your stomach acid levels are. So everybody thinks about gut, small intestine, large intestine, absorbing the proper nutrients. Well, digestion also happens in the stomach. And if we're experiencing too much stress in the body, we'll actually have lower stomach acid than we should. So if we have problems with our protein, albumin, globulin levels, it'll actually be a sign of low stomach acid. Even if you're having heartburn, one of the primary, and this is something people don't know, but should, one of the primary symptoms of low stomach acid is heartburn. Yeah. Because your stomach has to contract harder and it shoots that stomach acid up your esophagus, giving you that volcano feeling. So we actually start increasing people's stomach acid to reduce the heartburn. That's Those are the three markers that we start with. And we also look at white blood cells. You got neutrophils, you got monocytes, eosinophils, you got leukocytes. Uh, and um, if you have high lymphocytes and low neutrophils, that's an indication of a chronic viral infection. Mm. And if you have high neutrophils and low lymphocytes, that's an indication of a chronic bacterial infection. And if you have high eosinophils, that can be like a food sensitivity. Yeah. So those are blood markers that you need to look at in order to figure out, number one, is there a problem? And then where is the problem? Is it the stomach? Is it the small intestine? Yeah. A little note when you mentioned the stomach acid issue. Um really important for people to think about because almost anyone experiencing those heartburn symptoms is going to take an antacid. <laughs> yes. Right? Which is, that's been part of my story in the past when I was having all these chest pain issues and, you know, doctor said, you know, try taking antacids. And I, so I tried that. I thought, you know, I'll try it and see if it helps some, then I kind of know maybe what my issue is. not something I wanted to do long-term. And it's, <laughs> it didn't help at all. Like it just made all of my symptoms worse. So that is definitely something that I bet many people listening are going to have to check into. Yeah. They, and, and you, and you have to with good reason, because like you said, the antacid or some of the medications, the PPIs, they'll actually make the problem worse. Many times it does help out with the heartburn, but that's because you're decreasing the stomach acid to such a point that it can't reach your esophagus. Right. It makes the problem worse. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think cholesterol is another thing that people would typically kind of get tested for, um, but is an issue. Can you kind of explain the difference between, you know, tr- you know, conventional cholesterol testing and something that you would look for? So with uh, back in the 80s, 1980, way back then, uh, <laughs> the normal levels of cholesterol, the high end was actually between 220 and 230. So since then, it's gone down to 190. Mm. Now, and that was all because of the, the uh, I believe it was the Ansel Keys study that showed that with inflammation causes heart disease with high cholesterol levels. And that has since to be disproven and not true mm-hmm. many, many times by many studies, even though the mantra still is lower your cholesterol. Well, let's go ahead and just understand what is cholesterol actually used for? You need cholesterol to create hormones. Think about sex hormones. Think about memory, long-term, short-term memory, name recollection. 
sleep hormones, thyroid hormones, your metabolism, all of these need cholesterol to actually function. So if you have a hormonal imbalance, we need to make certain we actually have enough cholesterol. Otherwise, your body's running on fumes, specifically if you're taking like a statin medication. And then you have the, you know, the good cholesterol, the bad cholesterol. Well, there's no such thing as good and bad cholesterol. Your body produces both for a reason. Yeah. So you need to make certain that these cholesterol levels are in the right ratios in the right levels in order to get the results that you want. So you, t- you typically want like a two to one ratio, twice the amount of LDLs to do HDL. That's a good ratio. We see a lot of people in the three to one or four to one ratio from good to bad. And that just simply means that we got a lot of inflammation in the body. I really don't get too excited about cholesterol levels once they start getting into the 250s, 240s, 250s, because you need that cholesterol to create the hormones and also your brain. So what is cholesterol? Cholesterol is actually just fat broken down. Mm -hmm. Well, you got fat around your nerves, every single nerve in your body. It's the insulation. It keeps it safe. So if we're decreasing our cholesterol, we're actually stealing fat from our brain. We're stealing fat from surrounding our nerves tissues, which can enhance neuropathy, which can cause brain fog. That's why so many people on cholesterol medications, they have depression. They have muscle pain. They have these weird neuropathy symptoms because it's directly affecting your neurochemistry. Yeah. So what would your advice be to someone that has received a high cholesterol diagnosis from the doctor that they're seeing? Usually it's because of inflammation. There's inflammation that's caused, or or I should back up and say stress. There's inflammation is a response to stress. There's three major kinds of stress. There's physical, chemical, and emotional. And physical stress, that's like if we have a chronic bad back problem, we're in an accident or an old sports injury, something like that. We can also have chemical stress if we're eating a standard American diet or even better than some of our family and family members. And they're kind of stuck where you and I were 10 years ago, where we thought we were eating healthy, but we had some things that were wrong. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the emotional stress. And that's, you know, stressful jobs, stressful spouse that can be kids being stressful. Uh, You know, the church PTA meetings that if we're going, 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 burning the candle at both ends, that can cause your cholesterol to go up. So you need to fix the root cause of the problem, going back to the root cause and figure out why the cholesterol is high in the first place. But I can promise you the answer is probably not a medication. Yeah. Do you think that sugar plays into elevated cholesterol? Yeah, absolutely. And that's oftentimes why medical doctors will actually put diabetics on a uh, on a uh, glucose lowering medication along with a cholesterol lowering medication because sugar does have a direct, because sugar increases inflammation. And one of the major ways that your body gets rid of inflammation is by elevating your cholesterol. And that's supposed to happen in the short term, but it's not supposed to happen over the period of decades. If we're eating the standard American lifestyle and consuming way too much sugar, that's when our cholesterol is really going to start to spike. Okay. Yeah, that's really good to know because, I mean, I could count dozens of people that I know personally that have reached out to me and said, you know, my doctor says I have high cholesterol. What should I do? And so you're saying that you really don't even worry about it too much until they're in that 250 range and you're looking more at the ratio of HDL to LDL than the overall numbers. Correct. And I guess I should add a little more context. I would be concerned. So like what we we don't take any labs until someone becomes a client of ours and right. it just helps streamline things. 
And so I'm not concerned about that because I know what we're going to do about it. And we just have such a proven track record that we get those repeatable results with those clients that I know what the results are going to be. And so that's why I'm not concerned about it. If they didn't make any changes, then yeah, I would be concerned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know iron is something that you test for in a very specific way as well. Can you kind of talk about the importance of testing for iron and how you do it? So I think that's a that's a great question and a very uh, good opportunity to explain how the body actually works. So iron, if we're if we're low on iron, you're probably not low on iron because you're abstaining from red meat. I mean, if we're if you're vegetarian, we got some other health challenges because vegetarians are one of the sickest kinds of clients that we see in our clinic. I'm just being honest. And, and so, you know, red meat is actually very healthy for you. There's a lot of nutrient benefits that's become more and more popular as, as time goes on. So thank goodness. Yeah. But, uh, if, if you're low in iron, it's most likely because you're not absorbing the iron that you are eating. Where does iron get absorbed? It gets absorbed in the stomach. So if we have low stomach acid, we're having heartburn, we're probably borderline or on the way to iron deficiency anemia. So what are the signs and symptoms of that? Well, iron deficiency anemia, you can get winded easily at the top of a flight of stairs or carrying in groceries from the car, or you uh, are noticing that you're getting fatigued easily, brain fog, lightheadedness. These are all very, very common signs and symptoms of iron deficiency anemia. And you need to look at iron in the blood. You need to look at ferritin, which is like the overall storage of iron in your, in your body. And then a couple other markers that you need to look at. But again, why are you low in iron in the first place? And normally it's because of low stomach acid, but it can also be, be because we do need to start eating more red meat. Yeah, that's a great way to think of it because a lot of that um, the deficiencies I know that we have can be addressed by food. But if we're not absorbing, right, and digesting the food that we're eating, we can make as many changes to our diet as we want. And it's not going to produce the results that we're hoping for. And, and a lot of these challenges, like with gut, a lot of people are using probiotics as the cure-all. Probiotics, absolutely, they have our play, their place. We yeah. use it all the time in our clinic. But if you only do a probiotic and you ignore everything else in the body, like you don't address the thyroid or the anemia with a, with a low iron, you're going to feel like you're on this vicious cycle. This is a, an important note uh, with anemia. Anemia, what is it? It's when your body is starving for oxygen. Mm. It's going to kick your nervous system into the fight and flight nervous system stage. So if and this is where repair cannot happen. So if we are anemic or we're even borderline, our body and our nervous system is going to be all hands on deck until that problem's actually fixed. And this will actually keep people sick and stuck in that sickness and keep keeping them feeling fat sick and depressed regardless of how many vitamins and minerals that they're taking because they're always anemic. So we need to fix that. Like that's one of the first things that you need to fix if we're actually going to get true resolution. Yeah. Out of curiosity, since we're going through all these issues, I'm, what are some of the most common deficiencies that you see or common like problematic uh, blood test results that you get? Like what are some things that you just see over and over and over again? A lot of them we've covered already, like low stomach acid. We see that on probably 85% of the clients that walk through the door and they don't even know it. Prediabetes, mm. people that even think that they're living healthy 
Because like the, the people that we see, they've been trying to get their health back sometimes for years and they're trying to make things right. And yet we're still having because of, you know, the lack of education, unfortunately, in our in our country and just the amount of misinformation, a lot of information that is just plain wrong in this country really is, is quite baffling. And so, you know, taking someone where we start reversing some of these. So you asked the question, what are the most common? Low vitamin D, pre-diabetes, low stomach acid, lots of inflammation. And, uh, and, and those are some of the most common, some of the lesser common, but still very prevalent can be Hashimoto's uh, disease. We see that all the time with our thyroid clients. Uh, it can also be the fact that we have a gut infection, a viral or bacterial infection is also very common to see in our practice. Yeah. What about vitamin D deficiency? Is that common? Very. I mean, it, yeah, we, we live in the Midwest, so it's, uh, it's very common. Yeah. Very common. Yeah, I thought unless if unless if someone's specifically supplementing for vitamin D, they they have vitamin D. If they're not frolicking around outside naked, they're <laughs> which not too many people do, believe it or not. Uh, well, you started this saying that you loved long walks on the beach, but you're in North Dakota, so you probably don't get to do that very often. <laughs> it is a challenge. It's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm curious. You said that a lot of there's a lot of misinformation out there and a lot a lack of education. So what are like some of the myths that you think people are hanging on to about health that you wish they knew the truth about? Genetics. Do genetics play a role in your health? Yes. Yes, they do. But they play a very minor role. So they've done many studies on this. Actually, your genetics, your family history has about a 5% determination on how you're going to turn out. The rest is lifestyle. So if your mom, your grandma, your aunts, and your uncles all have depression, it doesn't mean that you have to. Now, if you're going to live a pretty similar lifestyle to your grandma, your mom, your aunts, and your uncles, you're probably going to have depression. Right. But if we change how you're living, your daily habits, and your lifestyle, you got a 95% chance that you don't have to struggle with those things anymore. So I think the amount of misinformation starts with your ability to impact your outcome, to impact the impact that you can have on your life. Your health is really in your control and it's up to you to act and do something about it. Yeah. Good word. <laughs> can you share a few stories with us about clients that you've helped and and seen positive outcomes from? You know, uh, just a, an excellent example of that is we have a client, her name is Lisa, and she's struggling with tons and tons of inflammation. She's going into the doctor's office and it was really affecting her her work, her job, because she couldn't stand for a very long period of time, and she was getting exhausted. And she wasn't; she was in her she's fifty, I think, and uh, and you know, young. And her doctor was only giving her medication, and that was it. And it wasn't until she started, you know, listening to to, to me or us, I should say, and it started making these lifestyle changes that her body started working for her instead of against her. So it was her ability to start decreasing the inflammation naturally, removing the things that are causing inflammation, getting the inflammation out. And so now she is having more energy. She's able to actually start seeing results that she wasn't getting from, from the hospitals or clinics. You've mentioned inflammation several times. What do you mean by that? How can someone know or how do you know like, 
this person has inflammation. What does that mean and how can you tell? Uh, it goes back, well, the symptoms. So, you know, if you have brain fog, brain fog is actually a symptom of inflammation. It can be uh, swelling in the legs if you got edema or like swelling in the, in the legs at the end of the day. But we also do test for it. Homocysteine, if your homocysteine levels are high, C-reactive protein and fibrinogen are all three things that we do test for to test where the inflammation is in the body and how bad is it. And, you know, another one, another uh, client yeah, uh, is uh, Mary. And with Mary, when she was coming in, you know, she was, she was depressed. She didn't feel good. She knew she didn't feel good. She had problems with swallowing. Her vitamin D was low and had been for years. She'd been diagnosed with Hashimoto's, yet she really didn't know what to do about it. Um, and she was having hormonal imbalances, like she had vaginal dryness and she just, her sex drive was gone and just so many multiple chemical sensitivities. And it was her body desperately trying to feel normal, but the pieces were not in place for her body to allow her to do that. You see, the, the body really does have an amazing ability to heal. I don't fix anybody. My team doesn't fix anybody. We just show them what habits that they need to adopt so that way the body can start healing itself. And that's exactly what we're doing with Mary is we're able to start aligning the stars, if you will, in her life. So that way the body is now empowered to fix itself. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that's awesome. Um, anything else on your heart that you want to share? Before I, I have three questions I want to ask um, before we close, but I want to make sure I covered everything that's on your mind. Um, gosh, you did a really good job at, answer, at asking questions as far as what's on my heart is the we can sit in this state of thinking of, of, of thinking and gathering information we live in the information age right now we have podcasts like this thank goodness we have blog articles we have people posting on social media like me thank goodness we have that information out there but it's come to a point where it seems like it's information overload and so we can listen to the podcast, we can see the social media, we can read the blog articles. And a lot of it, unfortunately, is conflicting information. We can end up feeling so much more confused in the, you know, by the time we're done than we did in the first place. And that's where information does not serve us. You see, the true way to wellness, if people are asking like, okay, but what can I do? What can I do to start feeling better? Mm -hmm. The key is action. The key is putting down the mouse, closing the browser, find someone that you trust that knows what they're talking about and start acting, schedule a consultation with them, start look, start only paying attention to what they are doing. If they have a proven track record to getting results with their clients, then take action, stop gathering information because that's the only way that you're going to get results. You know, uh, perfection is uh, the art uh, or the action of procrastination uh, just trying to get it right. I'm butchering that that quote, but it's it goes along something like that because I used to struggle with procrastination and putting things off. And I think a lot of be people do too. There's no perfect time in your life to get your health and wellness back. Just like there's no perfect time to have kids. Yeah. <laughs> just do. <laughs> and, and so you need to, you know, if you're going to wait till the perfect time in your life to regain your health and wellness, then the next stressful thing that comes along, it's going to just throw you off. So taking action despite the challenges is actually my favorite time to bring clients on is when things are not perfect. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And what you do with helping uh, clients, can someone work with you virtually or do you only work with in-person clients? Yeah, we, we help people all over the, the country. We're located in Fargo, North Dakota, but we help client, we've helped clients in California and the East Coast and we help people virtually and are able to take labs at a distance. And it's we get the same results as we do virtually as we do in person with our clients. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to make sure I put all your contact info in the show notes for anyone listening and curious about that. So um, my three questions for the end, my first one is what's your favorite way to de-stress, which is kind of relevant to our conversation because Very <laughs> stress much. is a big uh, health factor. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I have a couple of different passions. One of them is woodworking. So I got a, just a, I got a, a garage that has some basic wood tools in there, but right now I'm making a guitar. And uh, just because I want to, you know, and it's something that requires a lot of focus for me because it's the first time I'm doing it. It's something that that allows me to put all of my energies and passions in and I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. So, you know, whether your passion be making guitars or woodworking, or it is going on a long walk in the beach or spending time with your kids, like spending time with my kids is something that does de-stress me. And I force my mind and my, and my emotions to be just completely present in that moment. And it allows me to completely just de-stress. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of our stress comes from not being present in the moment. We're worried about the next 10 steps ahead. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what's your favorite like go-to drink in the morning? I have a strong passion for coffee. (laughs) I love coffee. I mean, I don't overdo it. I always, and so there's also, here's a hack because coffee is a dehydrator. I make certain to drink. 20 to 25 ounces of water before I allow myself to have coffee to keep my body properly hydrated. And it's kind of like that reward. But we roast our own coffee at our house. Actually got a, a coffee company as well. We sell online. But um, it's, it's you're, you're talking about passions. It's something I do to, de- to de-stress. My cup of coffee every single morning is something that I absolutely do to de-stress. And do you drink it black? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like my coffee like I like my women, strong and black. <laughs> My wife, who's not strong or who is not black, loves. You know, I said your wife isn't strong. She's going to listen to this. She is strong. I <laughs> did say that, but she is strong. Yeah. <laughs> and last question is who would you love to see as a guest on this daily wellness podcast? You know, a, a good guest would be actually my mentor when I first got started, when, when I was still an intern in the um, health and wellness space with getting my chiropractic degree in this, Troy Spurl, he's out of the cities and he's just a wealth of knowledge and information. And I just really enjoy that, man. Okay, great. Thanks for the recommendation. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate what you're doing. I love connecting people to practitioners like you that are helping people to truly experience health and wellness in their life. So thanks for sharing your wisdom. And I hope that some people not only just listen and take in the information that you, like you said, but really that this spurs them on to take an action step. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And you, you know, providing a platform for people to share the truth about health and wellness. It's, it's something that people need more of. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Daily Wellness Podcast. We hope that you found it helpful for your own wellness journey. And if so, we'd love for you to leave a review. Then come back and listen for review shout outs on upcoming episodes. For more information, check out the show notes and connect with us on our website, dailywellnesscommunity.com.